1: We are back for season 15 of the Dateable Podcast. (laughs) This seemed like a really long hiatus for some reason, but it wasn't. (laughs)
0: No, it was actually shorter than normal because we ended up throwing the bonus one with Roe v. Wade. So it's actually shorter than attended. But I agree. You know, we've just been gone for too long and we're about to change that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the reason why it feels like it's been a longer hiatus is because Julie and I have been working on something kind of secretive. We've alluded to this (laughs) before. Let's just say we're bringing you more content in a different way, but the same sort of insights and the same tone as we've always brought it to you on Dateable. So it's been keeping us busy. So it just feels like we've been gone longer because we've been working on this other thing, which you'll all find out soon. And we won't be as cryptic going forward. <laughs> yeah,
0: I feel like we have a few other things going on. But this is probably yes, the one that yes. will be announced the most recent. But also, we've been hard at work recording season 15. So I feel like some of that too. I'm like, I want to put out into the world these conversations that we've had. And I keep feeling like we can reference them because they're already out, but then realizing that we're just ahead of the ball this season.
1: If you think about it, it's every new conversation we have, we take away a few new nuggets. But because we haven't broadcast these episodes, it's almost like you know a secret and you can't talk about it openly yet. That's how I feel. But I'm glad this episode, we're premiering with this one because there was just so much to be said after this interview (gasps) with Rob Mack.
0: Yes. And you all probably remember we had Rob Mack, was it two seasons back at this point? I believe Mm -hmm. it wasn't last season, but the season before. So season 13. And he is a happiness expert. Yeah. But of course, when you ask people, are you happy? Aren't you happy? Dating, relationships, love inevitably comes into the picture. So thereby, by default, he is now a relationship expert as well. Or a love <laughs> expert. <laughs> I don't know if that was his intention starting out, but it has come together for him. But we love Rob. We were He wrote a new book, Love from the Inside Out. And immediately mm-hmm. when we saw this, we both said to each other, we need to get Rob back. And he needs to be the we season We definitely opener. do.
1: And just as a refresher for anybody who can't remember who he is, or maybe you haven't listened to the previous episode. He's someone who was so down on himself at one point in his life, when where he became suicidal. And he said, I need to get myself out of this. And this search for happiness became his mission. But in that search for happiness, he realized happiness is a default for all of us. It's not something we get just because we get that job we want or the relationship we want. We can tap into it anytime we want. And that's been the most powerful insight from our previous conversation is happiness is our default.
0: Yeah. And we are shedding light into how love is also our default Mm -hmm. in this conversation. And I must say, you know, I kind of had this newfound appreciation for our podcast. I know this sounds weird, but as I was (laughs) editing... (laughs) <laughs> said from the person that makes the podcast. I don't know if I'm losing <laughs> credibility there, but I I feel like something about this episode and where I am in my current life hit home. Mm. And as I was editing this episode, I I cried. I admit that I cried. Yeah. And that shouldn't be that big of a shock because UA and others know that I cry easily even <laughs> when I'm happy. So, I mean, it's it's an achievement from the content, but it also, like, this is kind of my state in general. But part of it was my partner and I, things are going great, but we are kind of struggling with some like timelines that we both have the same vision Mm -hmm. for our future. We just are, you know, bringing different life experiences into the picture, different ways of thinking. And it's, you know, it's something we're navigating through. It's not a bad thing. I think that's just a part of the course with a relationship that you're not going to always be 100% aligned on every last thing, two people with two different thought patterns. And I had this conversation in therapy, and my therapist was saying, maybe you should spend more time alone. And Mm -hmm. I thought to myself, why would I do that? Like the whole goal (laughs) is to bridge us together. And it didn't hit until I listened to Rob's episode with love from the inside out. The love within you is so core to Everything and to how you love other humans. And having that found appreciation isn't something that, you know, changes based on who you're with, but it's always there. And fostering that self love is just as essential. And I'm not saying like I don't have self love now, but I do think when you're in a relationship, it is easy to just do things all together all the time and lose a little bit of yourself and regaining that sense of self. I do think is so important. So it was kind of this perfect storm of, you know, therapy setting in Rob's comments, and I just hit it hit for me. And you know, a lot of people have written into us saying, Okay, I needed that DTR brunch talk right at this moment, or I needed this how to get over rejection. And I think that is something that's so wonderful about this podcast is we are able to meet people where they are with the back catalog of many, many topics we've covered.
1: Maybe we are sinking like menstrual cycles because I feel like I'm going through something very similar. <laughs> and I've been spending a lot more time alone kind of soul searching because I realize uh well one part of me is like I can't count on my partner to be everything for me, right? We've yes. talked about this so much, yes. but it's it's harder to put into practice when you spend time together. You kind of expect your partner to create this this partnership that is like totally idealized in your head. But then I was listening to this. Uh, okay, you're gonna think it's funny. I I joined this hypnotherapy app. Okay. This guy gets on and he he kind of hypnotizes you over the app. It's not really hypnotherapy. It's really like meditation. But he said, you know, Every day, we have these magic moments that we can look for. But because we're just racing through life, we don't stop to think about what those magic moments are. And it dawned on me that my magic moments, I've been kind of relying on my partner to create these with me mm-hmm. when yes. I could create these magic moments myself. And in this meditation slash hypnotherapy, he said, recall back to a time you experience a magic moment Yourself, what what is something that you ventured into? Something new, an uh, exciting place, or an accomplishment. And I thought about the time I traveled through Italy by myself and I just sat at the top of this, this mountain in Cinque Terre and looking down and thinking, This is a magic moment, and I can mm-hmm. still create that for myself. So I'm so with you on this, Julie. It's, it's not about pushing partners away, it's actually making yourself more of the pillar in your life so that you can be a stronger partner for the people in your life.
0: Yes, and my therapist actually suggested solo travel, which is funny, but <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, honestly, listening to this episode, and Rob has such an emphasis that love comes from within and, mm-hmm. you know, obviously human connection, the people in your life is important, but ultimately you hold that power And it actually made me appreciate what I have with my partner more. And I'm definitely someone I feel like I've been guilty of being like, okay, I'm getting older, we don't have as much time, and maybe like abiding by timelines a little more. And it definitely changed my perspective of like, I need to just appreciate what I have present and Mm -hmm. the love that I have with my partner. And it doesn't mean that you can't want these things and, build a life towards these things. But Rob's, this episode that we did with Rob definitely helped shed light on, you know, we talk about it in here and a lot more, so I won't go too much that. The relationship is the container and love is a part of that container.
1: And then he, do- he does also emphasize presence. And I I think that's the problem with dating and also just everyday life for me is that I'm constantly five steps ahead of myself.
0: Yes. That
1: I put so much pressure. An anxiety on myself for something that hasn't even fucking happened yet when I can't just, you know, sit still and shut off my brain for a minute Because when you shut off your brain, that's when you realize All the good things that are happening around you and you can be more grateful for the moment that you're in Instead of thinking of all the things that you don't have in a future that you have no control over
0: Yeah, you know last season I feel like our theme was being intentional of your love life and how do you start to figure out what you want and how you get what you want? Maybe this season it's appreciating what you have a bit more mm. <laughs> because I think, you know, we are all guilty of that. The five steps ahead is dangerous. And I think women especially, not to generalize because it's everyone, but women were almost like programmed to think five steps ahead. It's good in some ways because it makes things happen, but it also does detract from current day.
1: Okay, can we just actually talk about this? I know we don't like to talk in generalizations, <laughs> but I find more and more proof of this. Is, oh yes. okay, My parents <laughs> were packing for a two-week trip to Alaska, okay? And so I came over to help them, and my mom had already packed for the entire entire trip including the two days they come back like what they're what are they going to eat after they come back my dad was still thinking about what he was going to wear on the plane like the guy has not even gotten past day 0 and that was just <laughs> to me just watching this i just had this moment of Thinking, this is exactly the difference between men and women uh, biologically and mentally is that like women are always thinking a thousand steps ahead. You've already basically you've gone on a trip, but you've already planned your entire trip. You've, you've already been there, you already traveled it. And men are much better at being in the moment, but also men are a little bit behind. It was like my dad yes. was like, a step behind. So then, how do you get two people to not be so frustrated with each other? Because my parents were definitely very frustrated with each other they were just not aligned on where they were in their packing
0: i hate gender stereotyping too but this (laughs) is true i'm sorry there's all evidence i've talked to so many girlfriends about just you know how did things progress with your relationship and they all basically were like i needed to do it yeah i feel like men are change resistant overall and it definitely causes disconnect because also you don't want to feel pressured and you don't want to pressure your partner. But it's hard when you're steps ahead, not to feel that if you're steps behind. So how do we bridge that gap? Because I think this shows up all the way from the first date Where I think men in general, I've read a lot of studies about this, that they're assessing the date more of just how do I feel in this moment? Am I having a fun time where women are like, is this going to be my future husband? (laughs) You know, do they have earning potential? What are our babies going to look like? It's a whole deal. And it really is jarring because that does cause people to feel like they're not on the same page. And that is challenging whether you're the one ahead or the one behind.
1: I like to really explore this, Julie. (laughs) Maybe we can find an expert who can... Either prove us right or prove us wrong, because I like to know if there are biological implications to all of this. I even think about how women just have so much on our minds all the time, it just because, okay, this is going to sound very superficial, but from clothes to accessories yes. to makeup,
0: yes. all the
1: things we have to think about because it, we have access to them and our roles are keep keep changing. So the, the roles we're trying to portray or the perception of the roles that we are uh, assuming but for men, I feel like there isn't as much of that stuff, the distractions or the things to balance going on. And I, I could totally be wrong, but I would like for an expert to come in and say, biologically, women were born to, to balance and juggle so many more things. <laughs>
0: Well, there are stats and experts that have said that women are better multitaskers. I think that yeah. is an actual the way brains are developed is different in that regard. I do agree. We should get someone to go in a lot more depth. But yeah. it is it is a very fascinating thing that keeps coming out. But yeah. We need
1: it. We need it so bad. I don't know if you've encountered this, too. I, I feel like I'm also the optimizer in my relationship. Optimize the weekend. Pack it in. Optimize our days. Optimize our meals. And- oh, yeah. My boyfriend's simply like, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to think that far ahead. And we don't need to pack it in.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I just did a trip to San Luis Obispo and Paso Robles. I've learned yeah. that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, not Robles, Robles, yeah. Which is uh-huh. what I and everyone else calls it. Yeah, which is basically Central California. It's right between LA and San Francisco. And I went with a girlfriend of mine and her partner that my partner's so was a double date trip. And yeah. the two of us planned the entire thing. Every every aspect of it.
1: Of course, you did.
0: Because <laughs> if you didn't, nothing would fucking happen. Well, that's the problem, right? It's like you don't <laughs> want to be the one pushing, but also you don't want nothing to happen because then you just get frustrated, and that's where it is. But anyway, okay, we can
1: go on and on about this. I digress, <laughs> but
0: I think, regardless of your stance, definitely write in and tell us if you've been in similar situations because we would love to dissect this topic much further.
1: Yes, yes. Okay, but (laughs) to other topics, I guess. We are very happy to be back for season 15. And we are also very happy we've survived all the way to season 15. I don't know how we've kept this up for seven, almost seven years. Uh, We say this all the time but this is our longest relationship <laughs> ever and it's just going to it's going and it's growing so thank you to all of you who've stayed with us throughout the seasons but also for any of our new listeners we so welcome you into the datable family
0: yes i loved we made a really fun teaser video so if you haven't seen it yet <laughs> yes. follow us at Datable podcast on Instagram. It's also in Love in the Time of Corona Facebook group. I think it's pretty much everywhere, but <laughs> go to your preferred platform pretty much. But I love seeing some of the comments, especially on Instagram. I think that's where most of them were just of, oh my God, I'm so excited. I've been counting down yeah. the days. I love you guys. Like you changed my world. Like all this stuff. Sometimes, again, even though we've been doing this for seven years, it almost feels like it's just UA and I talking, or mm-hmm. it's UA and I talking to a guest. And it's really really helpful to keep us motivated to hear those types of comments that we are impacting your life and i love getting those emails of i needed this right now because i definitely related with this episode and hopefully others will relate with this episode and all the episodes yes okay so some announcements before we get into it you've already heard follow us at at podcast our tiktok is growing too so if you are a tiktok user <laughs> 220 hey, followers guys i feel like we had like 25 before so it's getting better i this you is why this? we need to put the plug out this is why we need to put the plug out
1: my dog just looked up when i said 220 like he's like oh that's not that that a good. lot
0: <laughs> mojo like, I'm, not approved I, I'm not, help I us get, be associated. help us get to a thousand that that's the goal. But even more of a push, help us get to a 1000 reviews. We know there is mm-hmm. way, way, way more than like 600 of you out there, which is currently yeah. our reviews. We get it. Writing a review sucks. <laughs> Usually you only write it if something is really bad or someone instructed you to do it. But Help us out. Let us keep giving this great content. That is the number one thing you could do today. Leave us a five star rating and review and share with a friend. Sharing is caring. Someone else will benefit from this episode. We know it. Yes. Okay. Well, before we get into the episode, let's hear a message from our sponsors.
1: This episode is brought to you by Aurelia. Julie, I think it's time we pamper ourselves with some beautiful lingerie. What do you think? Oh,
0: hell yeah. That's why I was so excited when Aurelia reached out to us. Yeah, Aurelia is a premium curated lingerie and sleepwear subscription box with 100% 5 out of 5 client ratings.
1: Yeah, legit. The fun part is you get to customize your box. You fill out this style quiz about your sizes and preferences, and then they curate two to three pieces of lingerie or sleepwear per box.
0: I love that. And the best is that it's delivered to your doorstep. Yeah. I remember I hated going lingerie shopping because it's so freaking <sighs> awkward to be doing something that intimate in public.
1: Seriously. So the privacy was a major selling point for me. And also they're hassle-free and saves you time and money. And I like that you can try on different styles and get more adventurous that way.
0: And They also only carry premium brands like Panache, Parfait, Midnight Bakery, and so many others.
1: Love those brands. Shipping is always free for the US, UK, and Canada. Canada. And not to mention, Aurelia is owned by a fabulous woman of color. And for a limited time, dateable listeners get 10% off their first monthly or seasonal box.
0: Yes, just enter the code datable 10 at checkout. Go to aureliabox.com. That's A-U-R-E-L-I-A box.com and enter the code datable 10 for 10% off. Okay, let's hear it from Rob Mack. Love from the inside out.
1: Uh, So glad to have you back, Rob, with us, and congratulations on the new book, Love from the Inside Out, Lessons and Inspiration for Loving Yourself, Your Life, and Each Other. So good to see you.
2: It's so good to be back. Thanks for having me.
1: Yay! Just a reminder who Rob is. He's 40 years old, lives in LA and Miami, originally from Pennsylvania, single and actively going on dates. He's a positive psychology expert, celebrity happiness coach, executive coach, and author of the book, Happiness from the Inside Out. We talk about love quite quite a bit on our show. And everyone seems to have their own definition of love. But when we talk about love, it's about receiving love, getting love, getting that validation of love from others. And your book is truly about finding love from the inside out. So let's just start with we love to hear what is your definition of love?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, My definition of love is your self love shared. It's your happiness shared. You know, we could go deeper and say that it's the experience of felt oneness with life itself. So there's life within you and life within me. And it's that shared experience of felt oneness um, that we all live for those folks that are a little more esoteric or abstract. I'd say that it's the peaceful aliveness you feel inside your body, we'll call it that. You know, I think a lot of us get this idea that love is an exclusive relationship that you have with just one person. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually it's a romantic exclusive relationship that you have with just one person. And I think that's an extraordinarily limited way of looking at love. You know, for me, love is an inclusive way you have of relating to everybody and the entire world. Um, so it's more um, a trait almost than it is a state of emotion. And I'll go further than that and say, it's not a state of emotion. It's not really a state of mood. You know, ultimately, it's a state of being. And so it's really more about love as a state of being, as opposed to this roller coaster ride that we call dating or relationships, um, you know, with the ups and downs. There's a more stable sort of lasting, meaningful and abiding experience of peaceful aliveness or love or happiness. I think those are all beautiful synonyms for what we call love that I'm much more sort of inspired to share with people.
1: I love that. This reminds me of our conversation from last time, talking about mm-hmm. happiness as a state of being. It's kind of your yes. default. I really want to know what inspired you to write this book.
2: Yeah, it's a, such a phenomenal question. Look, I, 20 years ago or more, I decided I was going to become a happiness coach. And I thought that as a happiness coach, I'd get phone calls from people who were unhappy and were, you know, owning their unhappiness. (laughs) And I could help them with that. And I discovered that's not the case. Most people were calling because they were struggling or challenged with relationship stuff, usually romantic relationship stuff, but sometimes platonic or professional relationship stuff. And they were often simply saying, my boyfriend sucks, my girlfriend sucks, I don't have a husband, I don't have a wife. (laughs) And so I felt like in that process and experience, I really wanted to help clarify some things for folks, including myself, so that we could all experience more happiness, more peace and more love, more consistently without Mm. having to wait for someone else to be what we want them to be or say what we want them to say or think what we want them to think. You know, I wanted all of us to experience a more unconditional kind of peace and love and happiness. So it really came from that place Mm. of wanting to clarify for people some of the myths and misconceptions and flawed premises that we all operate under without being always aware of it.
0: There was a part in the book that I really loved because I feel like you and I hear this a lot. We have realized that this actually kind of is the demise of a lot of folks is this this overthinking pattern that Mm -hmm. we feel like we need to think our way through everything. And especially with love, especially in the romantic sense, you're so afraid to not make the wrong choice or to not get hurt or whatever it might be that we tend to go to this crutch of overthinking. What are your thoughts about how – much thinking should play into the act of love.
2: Yeah, it's a man. Wow. I I've thought about this one a lot. <laughs> right, <laughs> thought, about, thought about overthinking a lot. And um, you know, I, I would say that, uh, you know, it's easy to understand why we all overthink everything in our lives, especially love. It seems like such a difficult experience to attract or to enjoy or to keep or maintain. And so it's understandable why we do that both for reasons based in sort of uh, sort of nature, but also nurture. You know, the challenge is that most of the thinking we do around love is aimed at trying to get inside the other person's or other people's heads. And even when we do that well, it doesn't work out, you know, all that beautifully or all that and isn't all that productive for most of us because we end up just getting in the way of this really fun playful enjoyable and meaningful connection that we have with each other if there's one thing that can be said about love it's that it's presence you know and presence is nothing if it's not not overthinking right presence is like let me keep my mind where my body is first and foremost that's the <laughs> introductory mm-hmm. sort of elementary level just let me keep my mind where my body is that's the way the actor vince vaughn describes it i would go a step further and say the graduate level of presence is not only keeping your mind where your body is but keeping your mind quiet cool calm and composed while it is where it is and it doesn't mean you have a can't have a fun time in fact you have a much better time when you're not lost in the past or the future you're just present with the person you're with not with an agenda not with an expectation of reciprocity not trying to script or plan or plot every single thought or word or move.
1: When you went into the research for this book, and you also alluded to this earlier too, is that we have these myths about love. And even the phrase finding love, Julie and I have a problem with that because it makes it feel like you're in control. So if you're ambitious enough, you can find love. What yes. are some other myths that you really address in this book as well?
2: Wow, that's um, what you said there. Is so poignant. It's true. Um, <laughs> you know, love is not an achievement, accomplishment, or an acquisition. So it's not something you achieve, acquire, accomplish. It's an acknowledgement of something that always exists within you. We'll call it as a state of being, but you often feel love even when a person that you're not with or aren't with is or isn't around, right? You can feel independent of who and who, you know, who is around and who isn't around. Um. So that's the first piece is that, you know, love is not something you achieve, accomplish or acquire. It's something that you acknowledge always exists within you. I think also love is, um, most of us look for love in all the wrong places. And those mm-hmm. places are outside of us in, in the future and occasionally in the past. You will never find love in the future. We'll never find it in the past and you will never find it outside in the world. You can have and experience all kinds of relationships with people and you'll have a feeling of love that you'll then attribute to the other person. But the truth is that we'll call it feeling or emotion in this particular case was something that was in you all along. Those other people and other conditions and circumstances encouraged you to feel this love or this happiness inside of you. But that love and happiness or peace is always within you. So I think that's kind of the primary flawed premise is that love is something outside of you that you'll find or attract in a future that essentially never
0: arrives. Hmm. You know, this is so like counterintuitive to like what modern dating is and what we're told we're supposed to be doing, right? It's it's getting something and you're basically saying it exists within you and it's about releasing essentially to – also, you know, find, I don't want to use the word find, but almost, you know, attracts someone else that's releasing love into the world. But why do you think then we have this mentality in society that this is something that we need to achieve? Because we definitely feel the same way that it feels like, you know, you got the milestone, you need to get married, you need to have kids, you need to do all these things to be a complete human being. And that drives so much of our actions. Why do you think that's that is?
2: Oh, so many reasons. I'd say that first (laughs) and foremost, it's, you know, part of it we can blame sort of nature for, you know, the brain is wired to achieve and accomplish and acquire, you know, we'll call it self-preservation, but that's how we stay alive, right? We stay alive by looking for things we need for avoiding fear and danger and risk. And, um, you know, the brain is really wired to avoid problems and it does that by seeking out problems to solve, right? So love feels like a problem that you need to solve. So there and right there Mm. and then you know, almost an implicit assumption that if you need to solve it, the problem or the solution isn't available to you here and now. It's something you've got to find in the future somewhere out there in the world. Um, So part of it is a sort of, a, I think, a nature challenge um, that we're presented with. And, um, you know, the brain is essentially well-intentioned. We can, you know, assign attention to it. Um, but it doesn't always play out well in our personal lives, even in our professional lives, but particularly around love. The other part is simply just nurture. You know, if we pay attention or notice most of the messages and stories that we receive from the media, from TV and films, from very well-intentioned parents and priests and philosophers and poets. <laughs> you know, you often hear this sort of bad deal of goods that's sold over and over again, and it often, there's an inference there that it's all about something you achieve in a future, mm-hmm. or that you find, you know, when the right person happens to stumble into your life. So, you know, I get it. Um, there's something kind of romantic about it for sure. And I would say that most cases with love, and say all cases with true love, reality is sweeter than our stories about it. It's much sweeter than that. I mean, it's much more accessible and available than that. So yeah, it's both nature and nurture.
1: The premise of romantic love we've also addressed this too, is people treat it like it's different from other types of love. I think about the unconditional love I receive from my pet. I have no expectations for my dog Mojo, but I love him regardless. (laughs) But when it comes to romantic love, we have these gateways I think people think, well, we're not aligned on our future goals, our intentions for this relationship. Then I am not able to get to the point of love. What do you think about that mindset?
2: Yeah, it's um, it's interesting, right? First of all, we enter into relationships often with an agenda. So yes, you know, then you, then you, then you wonder at some point, are you really? interested in loving someone else or being in love with someone else or you're just in love with the idea of your own ideas and your own expectations Mm -hmm. right often relationships turn in you're really into two people who are in love with their ideas of the other person it's their ideas they're in love with their own ideas
1: (laughs) not the other person Mm -hmm. at all
2: right so so i think that's um in of itself highly problematic um there's of course great opportunity there too which is like to love who and what is in front of you here and now. The other part point that you make is a really valid one, which is we often think of romantic love as different from you know, familial love or from platonic love or, but, it, but but it's really not. There's really only one kind of love if we can call it a kind. There's just one, right? It's that felt oneness that you share with all sentient beings. It's just one. And sometimes if we mix sex in there or attract physical attraction in there, chemistry in there, then we call it romantic love. But that's something that that love is not different. They're not sort of differences in love. There's just one kind of love and you can call it your true nature, but it's that peaceful aliveness that you feel consistently all day every day that you're mostly or usually or consistently not aware of at all, right? It's Mm. just always there under the surface. And when the right person comes along in the right way, we feel it bubble up to the surface and we call it love and we attribute it to them. All of that is um, a little bit um, misleading. It doesn't really speak to the truth of where love is and how we can experience more of it.
0: I mean, I think this is hard because I could feel Mm -hmm. myself conflicted on this too. It's like I understand the pureness of love. But then also there are things in life that you want. So you want to make sure that if you're going down a path with someone (laughs) that you're on the same path. And you know, whether it's society's influence or whatnot, you know, sometimes you do want to get married or have kids or whatever the future holds. How do you balance the two? Because I feel like we're told, you know, be smarter about dating that leads to thinking, which leads to overthinking, which... (laughs) Becomes problematic. I'd love your take on this, Rob.
2: Yeah, I know. I feel you. I feel you. That um, sort of inner conflict that you're speaking to, uh, I think, resonates with most all of us, including myself. You know, the, the the truth is, you can love everyone, but you don't need to like everyone. You can love everyone, and you don't need to spend your life with everyone, right? You can love everyone, and you don't need to be in a rela- romantic relationship with everyone, right? So, so what I'm trying to encourage people to do is is, is one experience uh, the kind of unconditional, immovable, unchangeable love that doesn't come and go like the wind, right? That isn't dependent on other people and other places and other things to be just right. So you can experience this fleeting thing that we call love. So I'd say that that is um, the first piece, which is just, you know, just because you feel something for someone doesn't mean you need a relationship with them. And just because you want love doesn't mean it's only excluded to romantic relationships. You can love someone and not be in a relationship with them. You can be in a relationship with them and not love them, right? And so we just want to discern now. In addition to that, I'm a, definitely a believer in like, you know, do what you can to find Or if you're going to connect with someone, you know, and you want to be in a relationship with someone, you know, you do want to be on the same page in terms of values and lifestyle choices. And that being said, love is not agreement. Love is not agreement. (laughs) It is not two heads that are always in agreement with each other about all things and all points in time. Love Mm -hmm. is, you know, not two heads in agreement. It's two hearts in alignment, right? And so there's something that comes or that is greater than agreement. I'll call it alignment. But it's two people that have just set an intention to be love, to be loving, and to do what you can to support each other in feeling loved, right? That Mm -hmm. in and of itself should take precedence over whether or not you agree on politics or religion. Mm. And that doesn't mean that politics and religion don't matter to some extent, but they matter mostly because you're wondering if this person is a good person. Do they have a good Mm -hmm. heart, right? And so um, I think people fall, we all fall victim to that Quite often we say, just because we don't like their opinion, we must not love them or we can't love them. It's not Mm. true. I think we um, confound these things like intellectual agreement with something deeper that I'll simply just call alignment.
0: Mm -hmm. What I'm kind of gathering is like we almost conflate relationships and love. And like, of course, love is a component of a relationship, Mm -hmm. but it's not the entire thing. And, you know, we had author Mark Manson on this podcast a while back and he his whole thing was love isn't enough like it doesn't conquer all essentially and I think that's kind of where I'm hearing from you Rob and I'd love for you to elaborate more because I can see you want to.
2: Yeah gosh Uh, it's just so (laughs) insightful I just I I love having a conversation with you all because you're just um, so insightful you're clearly so well educated in this space.
1: Um, We overthink this
0: (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough We're like telling people not to be overthinkers we are the queen of over queens of overthinking Those are the best
2: kinds of guys. Guides and coaches for not overthinking it. People that have experienced it. Same reason I do what I do, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, yes. So, so um, you can think about relationship as the container and love as the content of that container, right? Mm. Relationship. Relationship is the form that formless love takes. And this is where we, you know, often get lost. Love is formless and and faceless, and it can take any form that it, "quote unquote" wants to take. So some, you know, in the beginning, maybe it was a friendship, and then it turns into a romantic relationship, and then later you realize, you know, you're not meant for each other, so you separate, and now it's a divorce, and now you're friends again, or maybe distant friends again. But the love doesn't have to, um, shouldn't serve the relationship. The relationship should serve love, and I think that's part of what I'm wanting to sort of remind us all of is Mm. that you know love is the highest value not relationship and we actually sort of prioritize relationships above love relationships often end up becoming you know not always but often it's like two security seeking individuals you know sort of Mm. get in a relationship with each other and create this iron contract then locks love out it's like you enter a Mm. room And the room has fresh air and you're enjoying the fresh air and you're like, I just want to keep this fresh air in this room. It's just so good. So you shut all the windows, you close all the doors and you're like, what happened? It was so fresh when I walked in here. It's so stale now. Open up some windows. Right? This is essentially what we do consistently with relationships and for good reason, um, but also for reasons that are questionable. You know, it's jealousy and envy and we want... Often to possess someone. I mean, love is, it's one thing. It's certainly not possessiveness. You know, it's not possession. It's freedom loving and freedom living and freedom giving experience. That's, I think, both the challenge and opportunity. Are you really interested in love? Or you're just inter- interested in a relationship.
1: And just going off of that, when you're locking in in a relationship too, why is this so many times we feel like we need the permission to love? Like if we love first, we've lost in this game mm. of love. Why is it so hard for so many people to say those words and to lose in some <laughs> you know some extent? Because it took my partner and I over a year to say I love you because it, those words meant so much that we didn't want to use it too quickly. That permission very interesting. To me.
2: It is indeed. And I love that we've all been in those kinds of experiences before where you just want to hold on and, and wait. And, you know, there's something also kind of sweet and beautiful and really exciting about knowing that you've got this next thing that you get to experience when you actually use the words. Mm-hmm. You know, that being said, for lots of us, there's also this Egotistical or ego-driven piece to that, which is like I don't want to be the person one to say it. I want to continue to have power yep. in the relationship. Mm-hmm. I want the power in the relationship when the other yep. person loves me more than I love them, or they tell me they love me, <laughs> and I haven't told them.
1: I hold yeah. the power. I hold the
2: cards, right? And it, and again, yeah. that's not love. That's the ego talking. And mm. I get it. You know, um, we all have a lot of you know, can have a lot of that or a little of that going on. And this is part of the reason I wrote the book too, is because love, it's anything, is called the reduction, not quite the elimination. As long as we're alive in these bodies, we're going to have some ego you know, showing, surfacing that it's very helpful, keeps us alive. But relationships are often end up being these ego driven experiences where two mm-hmm. people are more obsessed and committed to power plays than they are having a loving experience, right? I think there's a great quote somewhere where something like, you know, like an obsession with a love of power, you know, where there's love of power, there mm-hmm. is no power of love, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's the mm-hmm. idea. It's like, are you in love with power? Or are you in love with love? If you're in love with love, you love for loving sake alone, you know, you love the cashier, you love your yeah. partner. And doesn't mean you you necessarily want your partner to go out cheating or seeing other people. I'm not saying that, but but it does mean I want my partner to be happy. I want my partner to be happy. If you're not happy, it's not love. So love is happy. And if it's not happy, it's not love. Love is free. And if it's not free, it's not love. That's ego. That is ego. Why would you ever want anyone else to suffer, right? Just to make you happy. It's like, you can do that on your own. It's your job. They can do that on their own. It's their job, (laughs) right? But yeah, I think that's important to remember that often what goes by the name of love is anything and everything but love.
0: I feel like ego Mm. is the number one thing that gets in most people's way of finding love and having love with others. And I know I've been there before where I've definitely held back because of ego. And you know, there's even times currently that I'll like resort because of ego like how have you first of all have you ever been in this position and how did you kind of work your way out if you have because i feel like it's always helpful to hear how you get to the other side
2: oh i've experienced all the things all the things i mean (laughs) all of them you know for sure you know um and how do you get out well i think awareness is the first step right so i think what happens often is you notice these things about yourself or others and instantly you end or land on some kind of judgment about it. It's wrong. They shouldn't be doing it. I'm wrong. I shouldn't be doing it. You want to let that aside. If, if love is anything, it's non-judgment, right? It's non-judgmental mm-hmm. awareness. So just being aware that maybe you're coming from a less than healthy place, from an egotistical or ego-driven place. Just being aware of that. Just notice it. Don't feel compelled to change it, to do anything about it. Just notice it without judgment. Already, love has, quote unquote, entered the room. And that loving awareness often does Mm -hmm. the work itself it does the transformation itself early in my experience i would get in there and really try to fix it and force it and change it and like i can't be this way and all i did really was repress what i was really thinking and feeling and then it would surface later at some point in some really uncomfortable way often with lots more pain and suffering you know along with it so just that awareness that non-judgmental loving awareness or why you might be doing what you're doing and if you want you can explore that you can go a little deeper the challenge and the key really isn't to think about it so much, but just to notice. That noticing is transformative. That loving awareness is transformative. So I'd say really that if you just did that, you'll find pretty soon, like eating something that feels really bad for your body, you just don't have as much interest as eating <laughs> as much anymore. And then the next time you want to eat even less. And then before mm. long, you're not eating any of it at all. You're like, does it doesn't feel good when I eat that.
1: That's such a great way of putting it. And it just reminds me of the times that my mom's given me love advice. Find someone who loves you more than you love them. Yes.
2: (laughs) I hear this a lot. I remember the first time I heard it and I was blown away. And and I get it because it can feel... um, It It feels
1: safer,
0: right? Yes.
1: Yeah. Like you have the upper hand, right? It's a power play. Oh, I can do whatever I want because my partner loves me more than I love them. It's just so funny to me now. It's just hilarious to think that she used to give me that advice. What about this notion that you... You were speaking about earlier is looking for love in all the yeah. wrong places. Because I think a lot of our listeners with immediately go to it's the, my city, it's my it's the apps, it's the people. What is finding love in the wrong places?
2: So it's in the world. You know, all worldly places are wrong places. That means anybody or anything outside of you. What we often do is we say, Oh, I'm so interested in love. I want to be in love. I want to experience love. But really, what we want to do is extract love from somewhere else, okay? It sounds like so sweet and so pure and so, but it's like mm. we're trying to extract it's like can i just give you enough that i can get back what i'm really ultimately wanting right but if you think about that it's like even if that were true that you could that you can give enough to get back what you need i mean you're giving something what do you call that it's got to call it love i don't know what else you call it right but the idea Mm -hmm. essentially is that you know if you aren't deeply self-loving if you aren't truly deeply happy you are sort of like a beggar it's like you're completely broke poor and you're looking for someone in the world, and you're going out into the world, and you're looking for someone who, in all likelihood, is also very much that same thing. They're also mm-hmm. broke, right? They're also poor spiritually, psychologically, emotionally. So you've got two beggars that come together in an effort to make each other better off. That never works. They will make each other worse off. They will fight, and they will mm-hmm. argue about what the other person should be giving them, but th- that person doesn't have, and vice versa, right? So yes, all worldly places essentially are wrong places. When you discover this infinite source and well of love that exists within you at all times, you can also call it happiness. You'll be surprised because you begin to find it everywhere, begin to see it everywhere, begin to experience it everywhere. And then you get into relationships not to be or to become happy and not to get mm-hmm. love you get into relationships to mm-hmm. share the love that you have to share the happiness that you have to share the self-love that you mm-hmm. have and it's great if they reciprocated mm-hmm. we love it and if they don't it doesn't matter there's always more where that came from you know but it really requires someone who's clear enough to recognize or realize that love is its own reward it's so good mm-hmm. just this, a good example just this show it's fantastic to have this conversation i love it so much and if you all never if it never went to air okay if i never heard or, 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 or connected with you all again it i would gl- it will right i would right it definitely will and, and if it didn't, I would say, my gosh, like, how can I have a single complaint? I just had the most incredible interview, the most incredible conversation with the most brilliant, beautiful people and souls ever. And I experienced that first and foremost. So whether you did or not, irrelevant, yeah. because I experienced it. If I get it back from you, wonderful. That's icing on the cake, Right. And so it is true that the more you give, the more you get, and it's exponential in nature. But you do have to first be able to access that place from which and from where you can give it almost endlessly without a concern or worry that it's going to be reciprocated. That ultimately is where we want to be. It can feel aspirational for most of us. That's just fine. But it's good to remember that other people don't hold the keys to your love life.
0: I love that so much. But I'm also thinking like, (sighs) I feel like that sounds so difficult because we're wired to be like, what are we going to get in? Return right. That is the way we're wired inherently. I think we're maybe American culture, maybe in other countries too, is inherently selfish. Like we're the center of everything. How do you start to free yourself from those like stereotypes? Like yeah,
2: yeah. So it's so interesting. So so, and you make a <laughs> great point, And I don't disagree with you at all. I remember I read recently a book called Humankind, and it's all about the innate goodness of people, and it's really mm. contextualized within history. So author does a great job. Of just talking about the ways in which we're actually, yes, on one hand, we can be quite selfish, on the other, we're incredibly generous and kind and loving for no good reason other than it's just part of our nature. It's who we are. And so I'd say first, um, it's looking for evidence that that's true, that we are innately loving and kind and generous, even the worst of us, right? I mean, think about how many times you open a door for someone, you let someone out in traffic, you give somebody some money, you lend somebody something of yours. You know, all these things that you do, you get out of the way of someone else. You know, just these things, these little things that you do all day long, right? You are patient with someone when maybe they haven't earned it or deserved Mm -hmm. it. You know, you let somebody go in front of you. Line. Whatever it is that you do, just notice how much, how often you do these incredibly mm. loving, generous, kind things with very little to no expectation of reciprocity or expectation of reward. And in some ways you could even argue that maybe you're a little worse off for it, objectively speaking. But notice also how good you feel in doing it. So so the first thing is to recognize that that even the worst of people still have their moments, right? They still have their moments. <laughs> the other piece of it is just to notice how much of that love or that peaceful aliveness or that happiness is within you all the time, right? Like even now you can just feel into your body. There's a peaceful aliveness in your body. There's a vibrating energy in your body, in your hands, in your feet. Think about the ways also in which we all continue to receive these priceless gifts from life or existence itself. I mean, the oxygen, the air that enters and exits our lungs. Think about the ways in which your lungs love you, the ways in which your heart loves I mean, rarely, do, I mean, when do the lungs or the heart really ever get a break or take a break? And do they ever complain? You know, rarely you might have something happen, you know, heart disease or something. Sure. But think about the ways in which life and the existence ceaselessly and endlessly and unconditionally supports us all, even just physically. It's kind of mind-blowing when you realize how much we are all surrounded. Surrounded by love, you know, and of course the negativity and the hate all get center stage because it's great clickbait for the brain. You know, the brain is always trying to solve a problem, and if it can find a problem to solve, it's even happier. So just notice the love that you're drowning in already, and the love that you extend unconditionally without an expectation of reciprocity already, and just notice the ways in which life, or the universe, or existence loves all of us, even the worst of us, endless things unconditionally. It's just helpful to notice the love that already exists within mm-hmm. you and your life already.
1: I'm so intrigued by this because I think maybe it's immigrant mentality, but I feel very petty with my love. If I'm holding the door open for someone, I expect a thank you. And if they don't, I murmur something like, <laughs> oh, you're welcome. There's this idea that I grew up with. It's like You don't want to be taken advantage of. Yes. So if you give and give and you don't receive it back, then you are being taken advantage of. How can, well, I guess personally for me and people who may feel this way, shift that mindset to think, love, there's abundance of love, and let's just keep giving it.
0: Guilty also. (laughs) Yes,
2: same, 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 without question. Um, So two things. First of all, notice that when you Open the door for the person. Your initial inspiration, incentive to open the door, had nothing to do with an expectation that they would thank you. Just, just think about it. Did you think beforehand? This person looks like someone who's going to thank me. Mm. I'll open the door for them. Not at all. Not <laughs> a, you just open it. That's that's how natural nope. <laughs> it already is. And yes, and then the brain gets in there and says, "Why the heck did this person not say thank you? So ungrateful. I'm not going to do that mm. again." Right. So I get it totally. So that's the first piece. I, uh, you know, and, and then also I think mm. love, being love, being loving doesn't mean not having boundaries. It doesn't mean being boundaryless, right? In fact, I would argue that the people who are most genuinely loving, meaning they are love, they exist as a state of love, meaning they are aware of their infinite eternal connection with the source of love itself, are really the only people that one, love truly, right? And second, the only people who have healthy boundaries (laughs) because they know that the source of this love is within them. So if they Mm. have to cut someone out or off, or they have to set a boundary with someone, there's nothing at stake. Mm. It's only the people that are truly struggling or challenged or don't or haven't found this source of love inside that really struggle with the boundaries, it's the people that aren't self-loving that struggles with boundaries the most, not the people that are deeply self-loving. So it's like, if you're infinitely wealthy, do you worry if Mm -hmm. someone stole $10 or $100 or $1,000? You don't. You lock your doors. You don't give away your bank account numbers, okay? But if they stole it, then you you take care of it and move on. But it doesn't disturb your peace (laughs) in the way that it would if you were Mm. completely broke or if you
0: had hardly any money, right? Same thing with love. Let's hold that
1: Let the gummies work their magic. Head to viahemp.com and use a code datable to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's viahemp.com and use a code D A T E A B L E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new
0: level with High Love from Via Hemp. At Parker, our purpose is simple: we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices.
1: He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. Wait, (laughs) what? (laughs) There's feedback that will make you cringe.
0: She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall.
1: And feedback that will make you swoon.
0: But she said that she had feelings for you.
1: <laughs> I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this.
0: Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I love that. And I'm like going back to the earlier example that we're talking about is like this notion of love is a component of a relationship. And the question of, you know, how do you balance what you want in life versus love? What I'm gathering here is, you know, let's say you do want a family. And whoever you're with is not on the same page. It doesn't mean that you stop loving them, but you have the love that you can say, like, I actually want this in my life. I'm going to find a partner that's aligned with me. I'm a good student, Rob is you giving you a, a, a great clap. teacher. You're a great teacher. <laughs> okay, it's it's clicking. That's where we're going with this. <laughs> Absolutely. You
2: can say to someone, I love you so much and I would love nothing more to spend my whole life with you or the next 10 years or whatever it is. And I really want kids. My life would feel more complete if I had kids. Okay or my life would feel more complete if i moved to bali and i live there i know you want to stay here i love you and so i love you so much and i love me so much that i'm going to continue loving you i'm going to continue loving me i'm going to make this dec- this decision and who knows what tomorrow will bring or the next year or the next lifetime will bring but i'm not going to use anything or anybody as a reason to stop being loved I'm going to continue to be love. Mm-hmm. And I can also make another decision or another choice. Love doesn't mean doing what the other person wants all the time. It's not it at all, you know? And um, I know that I struggle with that a whole lot because I'm a people pleaser, feels like by nature. And I want everyone to be happy all the time. And I want everyone to feel loved all the time. So that's often meant me betraying myself. But self-betrayal is still betrayal. In fact, that argues the highest mm-hmm. betrayal, right? Mm. It's still betrayal. It's the highest betrayal. If you betray yourself, mm-hmm. who's left to love the world, if not you, right? So it's important to be clear. Love is formless and it can take many different forms mm. and it doesn't have to come at the expense of Of your own happiness. In fact, if it does, I would argue that we need to explore whether that's love or not.
0: Right. And I think that also is a good point with, you know, these like situationships or like anything that's not fulfilling to Mm. you, kind of what Mark Manson was saying love doesn't conquer all. You can love someone, but if that's not actually good for you in the long run, that self love and having that should be, if not, like you're saying, more important than, you know, the love for that person.
2: Absolutely. And I, I, you know, I love Mark Manson and I have to agree with what he said there. I love. It, and I want to add a little personal nuance. So human love does not conquer all. That is, that is absolutely true. In, in other words, people break up for all kinds of reasons, even when they love each other, okay? Yeah. Um, and often for good reason and uh, hopefully to the benefit of both. Things. Yes. Um, that being said, what I might call divine love or conscious love is something that does conquer all because it includes and embraces all, right? So so, so, so what I the kind of love that I'm talking about is a state of awareness, a felt oneness that exists within all of us that yes. ultimately is us and so there's nothing ultimately but that there's nothing but this felt or yeah. this oneness that we often well we feel all the time but we're only aware that we feel sometime right and so i would say that that kind of love that sort of divine love this conscious love that exists as sort of we call it peaceful aliveness it's always there it's always mm-hmm. there, that even in your unhappiness, unhappiness is there. Even in your loneliness, it's there. It's the very foundation, the very ground of your being, um, so to speak. And you know that when you all sleep at night and you're about to drift off in that moment right before your eyes close, or maybe when they've closed and you haven't quite lost consciousness, there's the most blissful, peaceful aliveness and happiness and love almost Call it that mm-hmm. in that moment that is That you experience regardless of who is or isn't in your life and regardless of whether you're in a relationship or not, it's always there underneath, above, beyond, between, and below all thoughts, feelings, emotions, perceptions, and sensations.
0: I love that distinction. Would you
1: say then that self-love is the highest priority? if you had to <laughs> the highest form of put
0: love put them in a hierarchy
2: so i would say that ultimately there's only one kind of love i'll stick to that there's only one kind of love and to your point the self is another word for love and love is another word for the self and it's the one self that we all share okay so when i think about self love particularly in a traditional sort of way. At first, it's just looking for the best within yourself. Just looking for the best within yourself, highlighting that, focusing on that. And then eventually you go deeper than that. And you realize that I have a body, but I'm not a body. I have a mind, but I'm not a mind. I have a personality, but I'm not a personality. There's something that's aware of the mind that isn't the mind. something that's aware of the body that isn't the body. Something that's aware of the personality that isn't the personality. We'll just call it awareness. It's your true self. It's the mm. essential self that's never changed. When you're four and when you're a hundred, that sort of thoughtless, wordless awareness that you have a body or that you have a mind, that is your true self. When you're aware of that awareness, we'll call it love. We can call it peace. We can call it happiness. We can also just call it the self, the true self. So that mm. true self of me is the same true self of you, of you, the life force that's in with, within me is the same life force that's within you. When I'm aware of it, when I'm, tuned to it. I call it love, but it's always love. It's just that now I'm aware of it. And so yes, self-love, I would say, if we want to say it in a way that people can sort of digest, self-love is the highest love, and yet Mm self-love is the only love. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'm all for self love. And I 100% agree with you. Because like, I know personally for myself, this when I got to a place of, you know, not needing a relationship and just being content with who I was in my life and happy, that's when I found a relationship or that's when I invited a relationship into my life. But I feel like at the same time, so I'm 100% agree, with it I also feel like the word self love is so cliche at this point, you think of like affirmations and, you know, self help books and all this stuff. How can you break it down for folks, Rob, of like more tangible ways that aren't as cliche of like what does self-love even mean? Yeah.
2: So we can do it in sort of at levels. So I'd say the low-hanging fruit, to your point, is often what you hear there in self-help books or in, you know, different kinds of places. But what you hear is, and what I would strongly recommend to people who are just starting their self-love journey, is keep a self-love journal. Okay. Just every night, every day, bullet out three, four, five things, as many things as you can that you genuinely and sincerely love about yourself. It's not a snow job. So in the beginning, it might simply be, and I remember for me, this is what it was. I love that I'm trying to love myself. Okay, that's all I had. And I kept, so that's what I wrote for like 15 days in a row. was like, I'm trying to love myself, okay? That's Good all enough. I and then eventually something bubbled up and I was like, oh, I do actually care about people. I genuinely care about people. I, I I don't want anyone to be hurt. Even people that hurt me, I don't want them to be hurt. I added that to the list. And then what I noticed was the more I did this, this sincere heart, the list kept growing and growing and growing. I start, I stayed off the things that seemed. Unlovable. And after a period of time of focusing all the things about myself that I genuinely loved and appreciated, when I looked back at the unlovable things or seemingly unlovable things, I even started to feel love for those things. So I would say Mm. things like, gosh, I hate the way I look and the way I talk and the way I walk. Mm. And after a period of time of focusing not on those things, but the other things that I genuinely loved, when I looked back, I said, I always thought I was the ugliest person in the world, but maybe I'm the second ugliest person in the world, or whatever, right? (laughs) So you just start realizing, oh my gosh, it's bleeding into this really positive in this really positive way into the other areas of my life that I always thought were unlovable. That's like step stage one, okay? The deeper dive into self-love is then just becoming aware of the thoughts and feelings sensations and perceptions that you have without judgment, right? So another word for love is non-judgment. Just notice what you're thinking, what you're feeling, mm-hmm. moment to moment, especially when you're triggered. Just notice it. Don't get in there and start judging, condemning, shaming yourself. Just notice and try to do the same thing with other people, okay? Okay. That's maybe step two is just the non-judgmental awareness. At some point, you then turn that awareness back on itself, right? So you come to realize I'm noticing the thoughts and feelings I have without judgment and I'm just breathing through it. And at some point you realize, well, what is it? How how can I both be this awareness and what this awareness is aware of? So in other words, am I body and mind or am I this thing that's aware of the body and mind? So you sort of turn the awareness back on itself and you're like, that's interesting. Hmm. I keep shining this light of awareness on thoughts and my feelings, perceptions, other people, and I do it non-judgmentally, and if I look or just notice that awareness itself, it already is full of peace and love and happiness. And so like a dimmer switch, the more we'll call it practicing the presence. You can call it practicing the presence of awareness, the presence of presence, or the presence of God, but it's just noticing the noticing. It's just being aware of the awareness. That in of itself is peace Love and happiness that you're looking for. And when you spend more time just feeling that, sometimes I say just feel into the piece of aliveness of your body. When you just feel that, it's like a dimmer switch that you turn up. And before long it becomes yeah. Your predominant experience. It, it becomes it takes the place in the foreground, whereas everything else goes to the background.
1: And that bleeds into every other a- aspect of your life too, because that scarcity mindset starts to subside and that, you start feeling right. the love, so therefore you're able to share it. That's right. Yeah,
0: a hundred percent agree. I think the it's not about updating your profile. It's not about, you know, swiping on the right day of the week. It is, you know, coming with a full plate. And I a hundred percent agree on that. But then the one thing I'd love your thoughts on this, Rob, is it's there's a line right you can work on yourself forever you can go be in like self improvement mode but then that's not necessarily like finding you or getting you to the place of what you're looking for if you're looking for a romantic partner how do you and also it's just it's never done right like i even today am working on myself it's not like a one and done thing how do you balance the two so you're not coming from this place of deficit but also you're not just waiting forever for something to happen
2: yeah wow I mean, it's just profound. What a profound question. Self-enjoyment, self-enjoyment, okay? So if there's one thing that can be said about love, particularly in the beginning when you're dating, it's that it should be fun. If you really care about getting into a relationship, you really want to get in a relationship (laughs) back, you need to have fun, okay? You need to have fun on the date. You need to have fun connecting with people and you need to make fun a habit. It doesn't mean it has to be, you know, rainbows and uh, puppies and, uh, you know, amusement parks all the time. But (laughs) I would say that if you can prioritize self-enjoyment over self-improvement, not only will you enjoy the experience... But you'll find yourself improving automatically, easily, and effortlessly. And without the judgment and condemnation that often ruins the self-improvement experience. So for instance, the more you enjoy, let's say, connecting with people, you'll find that your mood begins to just improve, right? And as your mood improves, you experience what's called broaden and build um, sort of experience a psychological cap. So in other words, you start to see things that you didn't see before, opportunities that didn't exist before. And you start to think in ways that are much more creative. And suddenly what you discover is, oh, you know, I kind of like the way I dress and I also like the way this other person dress. I wonder if I could just add that little bit of something like that to my wardrobe, mm-hmm. right? Or you say, you know, I'm, I feel good about the way I look, but you know, every now and then, I feel like I could mm-hmm. probably do a little something, prove my appearance. But it's not its not from a place of condemnation or a deficit-based place or none of that. It just right. comes because you're enjoying yourself so much and you get this creative little insider idea that maybe I'll just make this tiny little tweak. And it ends up being a significant tweak, right? So you're right. If you prioritize self-improvement over self-enjoyment, not only will you not enjoy yourself ever, rarely, okay? You also will not do a good job of improving yourself in meaningful ways. You know, you'll do a lot of things that seem really important, But you really won't make the significant meaningful difference, which is one ultimately in mood or we'll call it, I'd call it a state of awareness, but it's that, right? If there's one thing that positive psychology has shared or revealed to us, it's that happy people are better lovers. They're more attractive, literally and figuratively. Mm. They attract more people. (laughs) And <laughs> particularly happy people, they attract more of. And they also attract better opportunities, better circumstances and conditions. Mm. They also get married long, mm. uh, earlier, stay married longer, and happy in all the relationships, whether they're married or not, right? So if there's something you want to improve, improve your happiness. We'll call it self-enjoyment. But if you do that, I promise that will lead to all kinds of other mm. improvements. And those improvements will not only be objective improvements – there'll be subjective improvements as well, right? So there'll be meaningful improvements, both in how you feel, but also how you show up in the world.
1: I'm so on board with that, because I think there's so many self-improvement resources out there that some people feel like, well, I've reached the end. I've done everything I possibly could to improve myself. Why am I not getting the love that I deserve? And what you just described there is that it's an ongoing skill that we have to keep tapping into instead of thinking, this is the end of the line. I, Get a master's in happiness, and I got I got love now. so i I really enjoy listening to that. How would you address the people who feel like they had a great love that got away? I will never find a great love like this yeah. person again.
2: Well, it's a great reminder that the great love you're really speaking of but not might not know it is course is of course yourself. there's that. So so that experience came through you, you know, and I don't know about you all. But maybe you, I know I've been in relationships before, you've dated someone before, and you maybe have romanticized the past maybe a little or a lot and then you know five years ten years later you reconnect with the person you run into them and you just think what was i ever so interested in with that right and yes. how would they and you just think wow it's yes. fascinating yes that's if it that, was babe. the person <laughs> wouldn't it still be that person wouldn't i still feel the same way so yep. yeah the mm-hmm. brain has this incredible ability to um romanticize can also catastrophize the past but in this particular situation the mind can run away from us so i would say that ultimately people and the world itself is not designed to make us happy or to make us feel loved or loved all the time. That, that's not the purpose. The purpose is to lead you back to the source of love and happiness and peace that exists within yourself. So that great love mm-hmm. you experienced, you think, mm-hmm. was a moment in time and was about a relationship, but it wasn't about some moment in time. It's about the timeless moment, which is the now. And it's about the relationship that you have with yourself, not that person or anyone else. Ultimately, of course, that benefits everyone else. But really, the lesson learned there is I was able to experience the kind of love that to this day, I still remember. And that love, the source of that love exists within me all the time. What can I do to dive more deeply into Mm. that experience here and now? So instead of trying to get back into the past to relive that experience or you know reach out into the future and live that experience in some future moment How can I experience more of that right here and now if I care about love in the future, how can I make love now a thing? How can I put more time and energy into love now and the more you can love and enjoy this current moment, this present moment, the more you'll find quote unquote love, Showing up in the future over and over again, right? So if you care about the future being full mm-hmm. of love, make this moment full of love.
0: Before we get into takeaways, I mean, I think this whole part around turning it to yourself and love being synonymous with yourself, we hear, you know, all the time people frustrated and dating – because no one, you know, wants them essentially. They there's this feeling of needing to be chosen in dating. And it starts to make even the best of us, when it happens a lot, feel unlovable. What's kind of like a parting piece of advice you would have for someone that's in that state of feeling unlovable and not seeing the love within themselves?
2: Yeah. Um, so people will always be very peeply. And people will always disappoint you. And that's not because they're disappointing. It's just that no one can possibly keep up this game of loving you more than they love themselves for very long, right? And so if you're looking or hoping that you'll experience this kind of lasting, meaningful and abiding love that you ultimately after, just look at the ways and the people in your life that have done nothing but disappoint you in that way. Mm. So I met a great, when I for 10 years when I was trying to go to business, when I was going to business school, I was trying to pay for it. And I worked um, in an entertainment business and I was doing modeling jobs. And mostly it meant I was being, I was unemployed. I mean, booked some great jobs, but also, you know, it's a hard business. And I had a photographer early on that said, you know, Rob, what makes for a great or spectacular picture, don't you? I said, no, I don't. What is it? He said, every great picture makes a promise that it cannot keep. And I would argue that every experience, condition, circumstance and person in the world, very well-intentioned, makes a promise that it cannot keep. And The truth is, that's a great service to you. That does a great justice to you. It would be a a much greater in-service and injustice if people made you dependent on them by loving you exactly the way you want to be loved at all points in time. Because you would be led Mm. away from the very source of peace, love, and happiness within you. And so it's not the job, Mm. the world's job, and the Mm. world will always suck at making you feel what you want to feel. And other people will always (laughs) suck at making you feel what you want to feel. And so it's not the world's job. It's not other people's job. And when the world or other people do a good job of that, we say we love them, but in lots of ways, they're actually doing us a great injustice because they're leading us away from the very source of peace, love, and happiness that exists within you. So it may not feel like a gift at all right now, but I promise you it's a major gift to not feel loved or not feel lovable and to not find someone who quote unquote chooses you. As a romantic partner is a huge gift because it's giving you an mm-hmm. opportunity to see through this illusion and through this matrix and through through this false promise that the world and other people make, which is I will make you happy forever. I will make you feel loved forever. That's
0: bullish,
2: mm. right? It's bullish. It's, you know, it's mm. not – I'm going to say it exp- exp- explicit, but you <laughs> know, it is. It's just not um, – <laughs> healthy. And it's not happiness and not a way to experience the kind of love you're ultimately
0: after. I love that so much. And I think it's a great segue into takeaways, which has been this been such a fantastic conversation. I mean, what I'm gathering is, you know, oftentimes we think self love is selfish. But in theory, it's actually, you know, what, first of all, it's, it's like the number one necessity in life, I would say from what we're talking about. And if you do not have that within yourself, it doesn't mean that it detracts from your love to others. If anything, it allows you to give more love into the world. And, you know, we talk about this a lot. It's like so often we're so outcome focused, we want to skip to the end, we want everything to go a certain way. But just enjoying all these moments, moments and seeing them. Like the example you just gave, it's like, even when things don't go our way, how is that going to shape who we are and where we go in life? Like all of that is a gift if we choose to see it that way. So, you know, (laughs) I feel like love is so romanticized of being this romantic love. But what I've gathered from this conversation is, you know, it is so much more and it all starts with it.
2: You should host a really popular and profound (laughs)
1: podcast of some kind <laughs> <type>. called dateable <laughs> <laughs> oh About, interesting you know, love right? <laughs> uh, touche <laughs> okay.
2: i just I, I just love what you said i think you're just spot on
1: this this love conversation just makes me feel so warm because it makes me feel like i have so much more mm-hmm. love to give reminder because there are days that i'm like i just have nothing yes. left in me I need some love right now, but I have nothing left to me to give. And if we are putting the onus on ourselves as a source of love, I can turn that around and say, actually, I do. I do have love to give. And it's not depleted in in, um, in any means. I think this self-love journal is fantastic because sometimes we talk about self-love as like yeah. going to the spa and getting a manicure, which I guess is a form of self-love, but it's not a belief of self-love. Self-love journal plants a seed for love. So it almost forces you to see it from a love perspective uh, as opposed to what is depleting you in your daily life. And I really believe that sharing the love does Mm -hmm. beget more love. I wholeheartedly believe this, and I've shared this with Julie too. I have this friend named May, and she is just the most loving person I know, even though she doesn't come from love. She attracts people who leech off of her, who who take from her, but she doesn't see that way. She chooses to see as she's got so much love to give that she can share with whoever comes into her life. And for so long, I was like, she's being taken advantage of. I need to sit down with her and talk to her about all the people who are taking her in But I think after this conversation, I can see it from her perspective, where if you choose to see love, it is there. And if you choose to share it, then you'll just see more of it. And when we want to spread more of the love, as opposed to being petty about it, like I used to be. (laughs) I feel bad.
2: I love that so much. Can I just add a comment? Because it was just so beautiful what you shared, what you both shared there. So you're absolutely, you're both absolutely right. We're all sort of trust fund babies walking around with this. Unlimited Mm. inheritance of love inside, and we don't know it. Okay, (laughs) Mm. so we're all these trust fund babies, these like kings and queens and princes and princesses, and we've fallen asleep and dreamed that we're beggars. Okay, and we're in this dream out there on the world trying to find love everywhere, you know, within everyone else, uh, forgetting all along that we're these trust fund babies. We have this infinite uh, source of love and peace and happiness inside us. So that's one uh, to your point there, Julie. And and the other Mm. thing, um, love is formless ultimately right? It's formless and it can take any form. And it's important to remember that because sometimes we think that like happiness, it has to have this huge, big smiley face (laughs) plastered all over it, or that it has to come with chocolate (laughs) and, you know, flowers, um, or that we have to give all our money. It doesn't mean that. Sometimes it might mean you're taking a nap. You're taking a nap because whether that love is shining or focused or sort of channeled to someone else or ourselves, it's still love, right? So there's that. You know, second, if nothing else, kind of remember, um, as you said there, like love isn't a state of mood or a state of emotion. Sometimes it, you feel it that way. Just by dropping your judgment about yourself or about other people, about life or the world itself, you're already dropping into love, to the kind of state of awareness of love um, that I've been referring to, like and we've been talking about this during this podcast. Like, you know, you don't have to go do things that you feel bad for doing in the name of love, you know, just to be a loving person. Mm-hmm. Just notice the thoughts that bring you so much pain and suffering, just drop that. You're already a source for good. You're already a source for love just by doing that.
0: I love that. I think, you know, we all need to find love in all the places (laughs) that exist in everyday life and every moment. You know, what you said earlier of, you know, even if this podcast never airs, what I'm gaining from this moment. And I think that is something that I'm going to take to heart because I'm always like trying to go a few steps ahead, but it's that's what makes our, you know, memories and our feelings and our learnings and all the things. Touché.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Another way to find love is in your book, Love from the Inside Out. Yes. And the, your forward is from Vanessa Williams, <laughs> the queen herself. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, and where can people find your book, Rob?
2: Yeah, um, you can find it everywhere. Great books are sold, including uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart. Uh, yeah, those are probably the best places. Banyan Books, Mango Books.
1: And if people want to find out more about you?
2: Yeah, if you want to find out more about me, you can find me at my website at coachrobmacmack.com. You can also find me on most all social media platforms, probably most consistently Instagram at robmacmackofficial.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here with us, Rob. I feel like we need to have you back for, you know, another one. I still have so many thoughts and questions, but this is always so enlightening to have you as a guest. So, thank you.
2: It is truly like my honor, and I mean this. You all are always so gracious with me. You're so generous with me. And you're so loving with me. And so I feel like I need to add a chapter to just just to um, pay homage to the both of you. Um, so thank you so much for that. Thank you for having me in the conversation. And thank you for being so kind to me. I appreciate
1: it. A well, forward by Vanessa Williams and an addendum by The Dateable There you go, boom. I think that sounds like a great way to close out a book. There I'm it is. Saying. There it is,
2: that's right. Like a sandwich there. That's
1: right. Also just want to say, you know, for everyone listening, thank you so much for listening. I hope you all felt the love from this episode We certainly did. And if you did feel the love, give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five (laughs) stars, maybe a little something nice. We always love that because we do reciprocate that love with good content
0: each and every week <laughs> but you don't even need to it just makes you feel yeah, good yeah. right I mean, to put we don't that expect out into it, the universe you know <laughs> but it does
1: make the world go around if you do and on that note we're gonna wrap up this episode stay, stay- datable. <laughs>